This is Paul Herman, the Prince of Motivation, and host of Zaka Presents My Journey. We're creating this vulnerable and positive platform to get inspired and motivated from different leaders from our community. Today, our guest is Kofi Amogodfred, who's Vice President of DoorDash. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure, pleasure, man. I, I know that uh, our viewers and listeners are, are looking, listening to obviously hear a lot about what you got going on over there. But before we kind of jump into what you got going on at DoorDash, I want to kind of just talk a little bit more about your your background and where you're from. Obviously, it's very it's an honor to have you know executives like yourself on uh, the show. So if you could give us a little background of where you're from and uh, kind of like your your upbringing. Yeah, um, you know, I'm 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 a son I'm a son of Africa, a son of Ghana. So I, I, I was born and raised in Ghana. Um, lived there till I was 17, um, and then I left Ghana to to move to the states to to come to college here. Um, and I always like to say I moved from Ghana to St. Paul, Minnesota. And if you if you look up culture shock in the dictionary, like that's basically the move, you know, Ghana to Minnesota, everything changes. <laughs> I can <laughs> you know? I can only imagine that transition. <laughs> so that that you know that that's what brought me here. And then you know went went to college and and, and since then have been working in the worlds of sort of advertising and marketing um, in various roles at different companies, uh, bringing me to DoorDash. Okay. Now, could you tell me about that transition? Like, what was one of the hardest transitions, you know, coming from Ghana, you know, and the culture of Ghana to then being in Minnesota? Oh, man. Um, I, I think it was a couple of things. I think that the thing that was the, the, the rudest shock was definitely the weather. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you live, uh, if you live in 85 degree weather all year round, you know, like my, minus 40 is a, is a whole different sort of uh, era that you don't your brain doesn't even understand. So I, I think, I think that was definitely uh, one of the things, um, you know, I think I was, I was very lucky in the sense that I went to a college um, that was very unusual. So I went to this college called McAllister college, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very diverse, right? So like the, the focus of that college was sort of internationalism, diversity, multiculturalism. So I had this very weird bubble where like I got here from Ghana and then my freshman class of 400 kids, like 120 of us were like fresh off the boat, mm. right? From like 80 different countries. So it, was, it wasn't like a real world experience at all. So at McAllister, I was like, oh, I was like, this, this feels like, you know, a very international place. But then you would leave the campus. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's when it would change. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, this is actually not a very international place at all. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm in the Midwest and. Um, and, you know, St. Paul was was like wonderful to me. But I, but I think, you know, the weather, the sort of the, the culture felt very different to me. You know, I'll use an example even from a learning perspective. So I had come from Ghana, which like lived by the British system, which essentially was like an exam at the end of every year and really an exam after five years that you really cared about. And then I came into a U.S. educational system that was about continuous assessment. And, yes. pop quiz, and, pop, and pop quizzes and class participation and sort of all of these things that I knew nothing about. And, you know, halfway through my my freshman year, like, you know, the, the international, the dean of international students had to have a chat with me. And they're like, yo, you know, you need to maintain a 3.0 to, <laughs> to keep your scholarship. You're, 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 like, you're like at a 3.1 right now. So just just like just tapping know. you on the shoulder. OK just know. And it was, and it was because I didn't know actually how to like 
be successful in this environment yet. I didn't know that I was required to speak up in class. I didn't know that these pop quizzes actually mattered, you know? So there was just like a bunch of these things that I had to get like adjusted to. Okay. Now, now, now obviously that is definitely a, a major culture shock. Like obviously coming from a background where it's not expected of you, but then yeah. all of a sudden it is expected of you. And if there's no one to kind of help you transition into That's there, right. like having like a mentor or someone who's right. come before you to kind of tell you like, hey, look, just to let you know, there's a little bit of a change right here. You're going to have to do this. You kind of had to find out things on your own. Could you explain a little bit more about like growing up in Ghana? Like how did that impact your career trajectory? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a terrific question. I think a couple of things. So, you know, growing up in Ghana, um, you know, had a, you know, had, had, had like, I think I got to college and I was probably much more mature than many of my classmates because, you know, I just seen like more of life, you know, and Ghana people send their kids away to boarding school. This is like what everyone in the country does. Um, and, and board, boarding school in Ghana in those days was like going to a juvie, man. It was no joke. You know, so, so like, <laughs> by, 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 by the time I got to college, like I, I, I had seen and done a lot. Um, and I think was in some, on some, in some ways more prepared to be independent in some ways, more prepared to like, like navigate the world, navigate different types of people. Um, I'll say that like having that background, um, just gave me like enormous amounts of like resilience um, mm -hmm. and, and enormous amounts of like gratitude, you know, like uh, uh, on a lot of levels, there's days when like, I look at like where I am and I like kind of have to pinch myself. I'm like, who, who would have thought that like, you know, this kid from Ghana would be the VP yeah. of market, the VP of marketing at, at DoorDash or at Facebook. And, but, that but like that, but that gratitude for me, um, gives me like, and, and that background and where I came from gives me an enormous amount of confidence because I, I, I generally feel like I'm playing with house money. I'm like, you know what? Um, in 1997, I had a hundred dollars in a suitcase. Like, I'm mm, like, mm. yeah, you, you live, you definitely live in a dream. You definitely, yeah. do you feel like your parents have, you know, and your culture has impacted your, your, your lifestyle and the way you think and the way you move, obviously coming from Ghana, like you said, you never even thought that would even, this would even be possible, but look where you're sitting right now yep. and the impact that you have now. So do you feel like your parents and the culture is kind of like inspired you to do, to move like this? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, I think one of the things that we don't maybe talk about enough, and th this could be an area we go into is like, there is a, there's an unstated privilege that we don't discuss to being like a foreign born black person in America. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, which is that like, I grew up in a country where everyone was black. True. True, like true. The president was black. You know, every doctor was black. Every scientist was black. Every lawyer was black. So, so that expectation of like, you know, coming from a family, you know, my parents were educated. They expected us to be educated. They expected us to go to college. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to get a scholarship to go do that in McAlsa because that's, that's the only way I could have afforded to do that. Um, but, but I think like that, not having that, like ceiling where you, you know, we always talk about like in the States, like you can't be what you can't see. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I could see it. I had seen it. You know, mm -hmm. obviously it's very different once you get here <laughs> 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 to, because then you're like, no, I can't, now I can't see it anymore. You know what I mean? Like now, now I actually don't see it. Um, mm -hmm. But, but I do think like that background, um, that, that sort of drive that came from my parents, that sort of feeling um, that as someone who was fortunate um, that I had to do everything I could to like 
to like take advantage of the opportunity that that had been presented to me. I think all of those were like massive, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. massive things for me. Now you had a lot of, you know, background in, in corporate America, climbing that corporate ladder. And now you're the VP of marketing. And like you said, at, Door- at DoorDash, like this is massive, you know, coming from Ghana to being where you are right now. Like, could you tell us a little bit more about your experience at DoorDash and what do you actually do on a day to day? Yeah, I mean, I've been at I've been at DoorDash about uh, two and a half years before this. I was the VP of marketing at Facebook for a few years, um, and then spent some time in some other places. Um, you know, but but at DoorDash, like the marketing organization, is accountable for a bunch of things, right? So we're on the hook for you know new customer acquisition. We're on the hook for you know getting our customers to come back and reorder. Um, the, the, the thing that's like wonderful and complex about this business is that like, this is a three-sided marketplace, right? So I don't just have, I don't just have one customer, you know, I have consumers. So most people think about DoorDash and you think about it from a consumer perspective of like, oh, I order this food, but that's only one of the constituents that I think about. Like I have to think about businesses. So we're also a B2B business. There's 500,000 restaurants, small businesses, bodegas, groceries, pet shops, on the platform that are counting on us to drive volume for them. So, you know, part of my team's job is like, how do we acquire those businesses onto DoorDash? How do we make sure that they're successful once they're on the platform? And then, of course, we've got the third side of the marketplace, which is drivers. So you've got our dashers, you know, and, you know, there's millions of dashers who turn to DoorDash. Millions of people come to DoorDash um, because they're looking for part, for part-time gig. Many of them are, you know, doing this, you know, less than 10 hours a week. It's It's a side hustle. It's a way for them to top up. On, on, mm-hmm. on, on, on their base income. But again, we then have to think about how do we acquire those people? How do we create opportunity for them to find this work? Once they do come on DoorDash, how do we make sure it's a great experience and that they can continue to earn um, on the platform? And so like that day to day, these are sort of types of questions that my team is thinking mm-hmm. about. And then, you know, obviously investing um, dollars in terms of like hitting those goals. Mm-hmm. Now, a man coming from, obviously being an immigrant coming from Ghana, how is your team like? There's something that you just mentioned about the dashers. Like, I know that was a, a way of bringing income to people within the community. Yep. Do you feel like some of those dashers are immigrants? Like, do you, what is the the population you feel of that? Are, are those individuals are immigrants? How are how are they actually, you know, growing and developing financially from opportunities like that from DoorDash? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a terrific question. I think one of the things that got me excited about DoorDash, um, I should have said this up front, is that like this is an immigrant founded company. So mm-hmm. so so our founder Tony Shu um, moved here from China when he was five um, to you know to Springfield, Illinois. Uh, you know worked worked in his mom's Chinese restaurant. Like you know the, the, these are people that share the same types of conversations that we're, we're talking about, sort of growing up with this resilience, growing up having to fit in, growing up having to figure out your way in the world. And so when we think about our business, a lot of what we think about is like, how do we use this business? Like our mission is to empower local economies. How do we use this business to really provide opportunities? You know, how do we create access to opportunities for dashes? Um, and not just for dashes, but for small business owners. Like you think sure. about the, you think about the restaurant in your neighborhood, you think about the bodega in your neighborhood, they're immigrants. Yeah. Right? Like who, 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 who starts restaurant businesses? It's immigrants. Like who, who does dash and it's immigrants. So, you know, I don't, I don't have the stats off the top of my head to share, but I, I do know that that's a, that's a very large part of, um, of the community that, that we cater to. And it's actually been a big part of 
how we show up as a business and how we show up as a brand. You know, we built this initiative a couple of years ago called Kitchens Without Borders. And it was all about literally refugee and immigrant owned restaurants on DoorDash and creating like a platform for them and giving them different benefits and different access to capital and resources mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, to allow them to flourish. So th- this is this is definitely a part of how we think about ourselves and our role in the world. That's very powerful. Very powerful. And, and to, to know that you have that ability to influence a community at a, at a larger level, you know, having a, a platform like DoorDash and being able to walk into those meetings and actually say, hey, look, we need to look out for more immigrants. We need to look out for individuals, people of color. So this is where this question is going to come up. You know, you being in Silicon Valley, you know, you yep. being in corporate America, like how are you like what are some of the obstacles that you, you know, you face as an as an immigrant male? Um in in that environment well i mean look the most the most obvious one um is that the number of rooms that i'm in where there are people that look like me is like negative zero right and so and, and by the way the higher up you go the more likely this is to be true yeah yes you know, so, so so the number you know if i have meetings with my peers at doordash at facebook at let's call people the vp vp level at tech companies it's going to be a handful um, of, of people that um, look like you. you know, never mind like where they're from. Like if, if you if you want people that look like you that are from Ghana, you can forget about that. <laughs> but, like, but like people that look, people that look like you, period. Um, you know, is, um, is is a trip. And so I think one of the things that I think is really hard, um, and and I think you know, there's this concept of like imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's documented that like women and minorities feel it more. And I think that's one of the hardest things because, you know, going back to my thing about like, you can be what you can see when you end up in like where I'm at and you're increasingly in rooms where no one looks like you, um, you start to wonder if you're meant to be there. And so that's the thing that you, that's a, that's a thing that you got to check yourself on. And certainly a thing that I have to check myself on and think about and, and sort of retain that confidence of like, no, I, I am meant to be and I am doing the work and my, you know, my team is delivering. Um, but it's not something that ever goes away. So it's sort of like a low grade, you know, thing that you- It's, do- it's hovering over there. It's hovering in the back. It's, it's hovering over there, you know? And, and then look, I think like in, particularly if you end up living in the Bay Area, which, which I did for a while, you then also have the challenge of like, that's not just true in your work, that's true in your life. Right. So like there's not a there's not a large black community like you're not you're not going to be around your people. You know, how do you build community um, and all those things? And not to say that, like, you can't build community with people that are black, because obviously you can. And like I have friends from all over the world. Um, but, you know, I'll give you like a, a live example. Those are those are event maybe three years ago. I was on Facebook at the time. And so we went to this like big marketing shindig in downtown San Francisco. Um, at like one of the hotels where I was actually one of the featured like speakers for this community of marketers in the Bay Area. Um, so like one of those nights, it's like super dope. Everybody's dressed up like amazing. And so after we go down to the bar, um, which is reserved for the same people from this conference to like have drinks and stuff. Um, so I'm in the bar having a drink, hanging out with my team. Um, and I'm wearing a tux, you guys. And somebody comes in and hands me their coat. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Um, wow, like that, wow. that, that is like one of those things where you're like, wait, 
is is this is this actually happening? So so those types of like microaggressions when you're in a world that's not necessarily built for you, when you're not around people that like necessarily understand. When by the way, these people in these like worlds don't necessarily see people like you. So of course, if they saw the one black dude in this like fancy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I was the bellhop or like the coke guy. Or, 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 mind you, you're not even at the door. You mind deep you, at the mind bar. You, nowhere, at the nowhere bar. near the door. <laughs> 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 mind you, I was on stage like an hour earlier. You, you know, so, keep so it, like, and, and to the listeners, I hope you're hearing this. That means that this person had to walk through the the whole <laughs> place. And go directly to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, hey, look, excuse me, excuse me. I'm gonna look for this man at the bar right there. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry you even had to even in, in face something like that, you know. And and obviously, how do you stay motivated after you know going through something like that? Like, obviously, you went in front of your peers. It's a moment where you you obviously might have felt humiliated at one point. Yeah, for sure. Like, how did you manage to bounce back and still have a, a? I'm assuming you had a productive night. I'm hoping you didn't leave. I mean, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't leave because you know I'm not. I'm not going to let anybody take my shine. You know what I mean? Let's like, get it. I, Let's yeah. get it. <laughs> like, Let's get it. Corby. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I. You know, I, I actually said to this person, I was like, "Why would you think that? Like, I was like, why? What made you think? Like, you to you to your point, Paul. Like, you walked across this whole room. Yeah, you just did. Like, why? Why would you think I? And of course, then it was like, uh, 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 uh yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, that and, moment. And, <laughs> now it's hovering uh, over their heads now. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was like really. I mean, it also like I think was instructive even for my team. Yes, to see that because because I had my leadership team with me, um, and it was instructive for them to see this happen and be like, "Oh shit, this is like this shit that people talk about." We're actually we're actually seeing, seeing. right. Yeah, you know, it's it's sometimes it's not, and and it's happening to our boss. You know what I mean? Like it's a disconnect. So, yeah, like, 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 so, so look, I mean, I think for me, I, I, I have, and, and I think all of us have to do this on some level, which is the, like, you have to find a way to shake this stuff up. I mean, that's like one example, like, you know, and come mm-hmm. up with, a, I could come up with a hundred if we had enough time, you know, that's, that's just the one that came up. And, so um, with- you, you got to figure out a way to shake it out. For me, that's about like, um, understanding like the context I'm in, like trying to demand more of the people around me when it happens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in this particular case, it's like a random person at the bar. So like, I didn't want to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. I just gave them a quick little piece of my mind. They apologized. Yeah. Like, so then with that being, fun. with that being said, you're hitting on something very important. Like what are some of the qualities you think are necessary for a person of color, you know, in a leadership role like yourself? Like it, obviously dealing with a situation like that, you could have went left or you could have went right. Like what are some of those qualities that you feel like yeah, a leader a man of color, a woman of color, a minority. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like this 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 is hard, right? Um, but I think like and you know, I'm sure some of the other speakers have talked about this. In fact, when I when I listened to some of the episodes, this theme came up. But like f- for me, the real I think one of the qualities is the realization that like you're always you 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 have to always be on point. Right. And, and that there's not the, there's not a great degree of margin for error. So like for me in these situations, it's more like, OK, like, let me let me just like reflect before I respond. Let me mm-hmm. let me take let me take a beat. You know, like I, you know, it's not going to take much for me to be seen as the angry black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really not. It's really not going to take much. You know what I mean? Um, 
and that's some of the reaction that someone might have assumed that would happen. That's right. You know, that's but right. you, like you said, like you got to be able to fall back, analyze the situation, know that you don't even just represent yourself. You represent your culture. You represent Correct. the people that come come before you and also after and, you. And, and the people and, and, and more importantly, the people that will come after. Yeah, the people, 100%. The people, the, the people that, you know, you end up opening doors for, right? Because the reality is to like, at the end of the day, more than anything, that almost is my job. So like I've described like what I do at DoorDash, but ultimately what, what I also have to do at DoorDash is to build a team that's diverse. It's to like build a team that is, you know, that has black and brown people in leadership. It's to build a team that like has, is able to bring like different perspectives into the business. Um, and that's something that like I hold myself and my entire team accountable for. Right. Because mm -hmm. like, if I'm here and that's not happening, like I kind of have failed regardless of if we're hitting the goals, at least, at least in my judgment of myself. No, well, well said, well said and well taken. That's, and I feel like that brings me to that next question of just mentorship. Like you just said, you know, being a leader, I, I know obviously that is a, a major role that comes with being a leader, you know, yep. mentorship. I know you have this thing that you got going on um, Monday night mentorship. Like, could you express to me a little bit more about what that is and, you know, who are the people that you're in, impacting? Yeah. I mean, Monday night mentorship has been amazing. It was started probably 18 months ago by my, my friends, Jabari Hearn, who's the SVP of marketing at, um, at Westbrook, Will Smith's company, and uh, and Julian Duncan, who's the CMO at the Houston Texans. I mean, we had known each other for years, and I think this was like early on in the pandemic. Jabari was at Lyft at the time, had had to lay off his team, and he was like dealing with this in like a, you know, and like whoa, like this is this is this is like a big moment. People are losing their jobs. Um, black and brown people are losing their jobs dis disproportionately. How do we come together as a community of experienced senior marketing? Um, and business leaders um, who can then provide like counsel to sort of the next generation that's like navigating this very turbulent moment. And so Monday Night Membership was born out of that. And it just started, you know, Jabari and Julian, like putting out a call on, uh, on LinkedIn, hitting up a bunch of us. So myself, Jason White, who's the CMO uh, at MTV, Daniel Cherry, who's, you know, who's a, who's a VP at um at uh where, where did dc go these days um he was at activision but he's moved on uh, melissa waters who's the vp of marketing and instagram um you know so so a bunch of us basically came together and it's it's incredible it's a group of you know about 12 to 15 mentors um and we just made ourselves available every monday to answer people's questions about mm. work life navigating corporate um and it's turned into a thing where you know every Monday, like north of a hundred people just turn up and like, we've now built more programming around it and made it sort of more robust. Um, and, you know, working with Devika, you know, and, and, and her business and, you know, her leaning in. So we've got like a really good, a really good crew. And we've been, you know, we, we were just chatting yesterday actually. And, you know, we're, we're now up to like, you know, hundreds of people that are part of this community on LinkedIn and tuning in every week. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and not just learning from us, but like also teaching us and learning from yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. so, you can learn you know, something from everybody. Exactly. And so it's been, it's been a really dope thing to be part of. Well, congratulations I mean, about all of that. I feel like, you know, your story, your, the words that you've shared with us on the show today has been very empowering. I know that, um, you mentioned something that was very important in the beginning, like who would have thought, 
you know, coming from Ghana and to be where you are right now. And I think that's something that the listeners, if you're listening right now, that's something you should definitely pull away from. Like anything is possible if you just put your mind to it. And more importantly, like you said, your reaction and how you operate in different situations and circumstances, but you definitely have pushed through um, to kind of achieve greatness. My last thing to use is like any last words for our Zaka community right now. I know that your time is very limited. So any last words you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's been terrific to be part of this. Um, I will say, j- just to buttress on on what you just said, like, I think you're right that, like, you can put your mind, you know, if you put your mind to you can achieve it. But I think it's important to, like, think of that in the context of, you know, where we live and where we are, right? Which is that sometimes there are things in your way that you can't get around by yourself, right? And so I think this is why communities like Zaka are really important. I think one of the things that's been so important for me and I'll encourage everyone to do is like build a community of people that have your back, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's easy for me to sit up here and talk about, you know, I did this and I did that. And then I took that job and I did that thing. But the reality is that like, that's all been built off of like great mentors, great bosses, great leaders, people that have been able to tap when I have a challenge that like reach out and provide advice or perspective or a connection or an introduction. Um, and so that's, that, that's what I'll leave you with, which is like, you know, build, build that community that's going to have you, um, and, and do that, do that with every opportunity. And in any job that you're in, it doesn't matter what the job is or what the role is. There's actually an opportunity to build that community, Mm -hmm. um, because you actually never know where people are going to end up. You know, when I look back on my first job and sort of where all of those people have ended up and the things that they're doing, like all of those relationships are still important and they all still continue to sustain me, even though like I didn't know at the time that like someone I met at my first job would then hire me, you know, 10 years down the line to go open an agency in Ghana. But because you build that community and build that relationship um, in in sort of an authentic way versus in a like, hey, let's do networking or um, or, or whatever it is, um, like, you know, those things always come back to pay off well it's it is very important to build strong relationships and obviously make sure that when you reach a platform like yourself that you use it for greatness like what you're doing right now at DoorDash again coffee congratulations on all your success you know just again coming from Ghana to where you are right now school and education your community your culture the people you're influencing every single day if you want to hear more stories like coffee check us out at zakaconnect.com or follow our feed Zaka wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, Coffee, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Glad to be here, man.